Hi everyone, you're listening to the Health and Wellbeing Podcast. I'm Alison Mitchell, a practicing naturopath, and you can find me on naturopathnsw.com.au. Today I'll be talking about children's health with fellow naturopath Kelly Holland. These podcasts will feature discussions on various health conditions, health tips, and nutrition from a naturopathic perspective. Sometimes it's just me, sometimes I'm interviewing guests. All the time I hope to share with you information on health and well-being with the aim to empower and educate. Please remember that all information is general and not a specific recommendation that replaces consulting with a practitioner. Please talk to your healthcare practitioner before undertaking any changes to your treatment regime. So Kelly is a naturopath, she's a clinical nutritionist and a medical herbalist and she's based on the central coast of New South Wales where she lives with her husband and her beautiful daughter. She sees clients in a clinic and via Skype consults and she has a passion for working with women and children, inspiring them and promoting healthy eating and lifestyle habits so that they can live full and long happy lives. Kelly also runs a successful blog on her website, which is tonichealth.com.au, and that's tonic with a K, and where she also has free, healthy, and delicious recipes available. So, hi, Kelly. Thanks for joining. Thank you. <laughs> so exciting to have you on. Um, so, I've been following your development of your new website, and it's just looking absolutely amazing. Thank you. It's thanks to my husband. He's a bit of a nerd. <laughs> <laughs> nerd power. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> now, that's awesome. And do you um, have a bit, bit of a control in terms of the aesthetics of it as well? Because I, I really love the style of it. Yeah, much to his dislike. He has a bit <laughs> of a different idea of what looks good than I do. But um, yeah, I sort of tell him what I wanted and uh, sometimes you'll say, oh, no, that can't happen, and it ends up happening anyway. So, yeah, that's yeah. pretty much my design, and he just does what he's told. <laughs> and that's so great. And I and I love how much you've got your, your pictures of your daughter up there as well, and, and you do quite a lot of work with, with children as well. So yeah, I've got a bit of a spot for kids. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and um, what have you been getting up to lately? Uh, well, I'm in the middle of writing an ebook that I'm going to be putting up on the website soon. Um, basically, just health and well-being. It's not really any theme at all, but it's going to have a lot of nutritional advice in it. Yeah, so it's um, for everyone. Yeah, it's for everybody. It's basically just how to live a healthy life. Um, I've also been contributing a lot of articles to certain publications. So um, I'm about to start writing a few articles for Bondi Harvest. Um, and also the Sussex newspaper. I'm a columnist for them now too. Uh, Mind Body Green, Mouths of Mums, been a bit busy in that aspect. And um, I'm also going to be opening up my own YouTube channel soon too. Nice, nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's really exciting. Um, I've also started up a YouTube channel as well. Which yeah, is, I started following you actually. Yeah, likewise. And um, so this will be on there, and um, then other podcast videos that I've done are going on there too. And hopefully, we'll be doing like little, little cooking tips and and things like that. Yeah, I'll have to have you up here, and we can do a cooking class or something together. Oh, that'd be so exciting. <laughs> And then um, apart from that, just yeah, working at the clinic and um, soon I'm going to be wrapping up with the... Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're about yeah. to pop. Yeah. Um, so that'll, that'll be exciting when, when that comes out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that. <laughs> he. <laughs> yeah. um, I've been watching birthing videos and I don't really think I should have done that. That's a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> like I know how it works, but now I'm just like going, well, they all seem to be in a lot more pain than I thought yeah. they would be. <laughs> um, but it's it's good because I think like having my knowledge of um, pregnancy and birthing and things like that, then so I, I do I do have a lot more of that background knowledge as well. And and when little one comes out, they look after it as well. So I think similar to you, I have a soft spot for kids too. So I'm really excited for this topic today. So um, I want to talk about, particularly about children's immune health, because it's winter at the moment and a lot of kids are coming into the clinic sick. And I think that um, it's 
one of, one of the things in particular is that there's this overprescription of antibiotics happening at the moment yeah. and everyone is sort of aware that this is an issue because of the development of superbugs but what else can we do yeah. well the answer is lots yeah <laughs> so i guess my first question is um what are, what are some of the most common infections that that children can get Okay, um, I especially with my daughter because she's at preschool, so preschool is like a haven for sick kids. Um, and I, I mean, I don't really believe in pulling kids out every time they get a sniffle. I think that you know, kids need to go to preschool. They need to do basically the learning and everything. And and it's sort of it does suck in a way when kids have low immune systems, they catch everything that's going around, but in a way it helps their adaptive immunity as well to catch things, but it's it's a matter of being sort of prepared so that they don't get quite as sick for quite as long as well. Um, a lot of the, the, the infections I see are obviously the common cold and the flu, um, but also you see a lot of gastroenteritis as well with, with little kids, which can be quite scary with the chronic diarrhea um, and hand foot and mouth as well I see a lot of that um, my daughter came home with it once but I think touch wood um, considering she's been at preschool for like four years I think getting that once <laughs> that's pretty lucky because kids usually a lot of kids get it you know multiple times yeah, frequently so, yeah yeah so they're basically the most common ones for preschoolers um, she's yet to get chicken pots, so um, that's I think a pretty common one. But that's one that you know, parents usually pull kids out of school for. Yeah, I, I think that nowadays it is something that they don't want to spread. Whereas previously it used to we used to be like let's have a chicken pox party. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, the dangers of um, you know it, it, preventing your kid from getting it. I mean. I think I would rather my daughter get it and then not have to contend with getting it later on in life because it can cause complications later on in life if they get it when they're older. So I think I would rather a chicken pox party, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, conjunctivitis is really common. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And I think it's because, like, you just <laughs> hands everywhere. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Not washing their hands properly, that sort of thing. Um, yeah. Another common one that I'm seeing a bit is a skin infection called molluscum contagiosum, which is yeah, a, okay. a viral a viral infection of the skin, and it comes up like these tiny little clear blisters, mm. and it's it's really contagious. So you have to be careful about like washing your sheets and not having baths and that sort of thing, and it can be quite difficult. Um, to deal with because there isn't any sort of conventional treatment available for it yeah. but um, at the moment the current recommendation for what the doctors are giving is to scratch the actual lesions and then they will um, get the immune system activated but I find that <laughs> yeah if, with that one in, in particular um, just boosting the immune system getting the gut right and also using some topical antivirals it's usually going yeah. real quick smart yeah definitely yeah, I don't think my daughter would like me to scratch it. <laughs> she had that. She wouldn't let me near her. <laughs> Thankfully, they're not painful, but yeah. still. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, gosh. Seeing your mum come at you with a needle going, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Um, yeah. And then the other one that is really common is ear stuff. Yeah, yeah. Middle ear infections and, and ear, yeah, definitely. And a lot, I see that a lot in kids who do get upper respiratory tract issues a lot. So, you know, the stuffy sinuses and, and stuffy nose and the post-nasal drip and it's sort of, especially when they lie on their side, it can, you know, the ears and the eyes and the nose, they're all connected. Uh, a lot of gunk can get in their ears and, and cause that as well. Yeah, and depending on their age as well, the, the whole eustachian tube development hasn't occurred properly, so yeah. the drainage isn't really as good as it should be. But yeah, exactly. it's quite um, concerning for a lot of parents when that, that happens as well. But I find that it can often be um, overdiagnosed. Mm. Um, they, they might be pulling at their ear or, or holding their side of their head but it's not actually an ear infection like it could be like a toothache or a sinus infection or yeah a lot of kids that teeth pull their ears and fiddle with their ears so yeah yeah you're right. 
and that's frequently given antibiotics. Unfortunately, the, the antibiotic efficacy with ear infections is really, really low. Yeah. 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 So from there on, it, you get into things like grommets and surgery and... Yeah, pretty invasive <laughs> stuff. <laughs> well, there's so much we can do for it. Yeah. Yeah. It's unfortunate, especially, you know, when you're a parent and your kid's sick, it freaks you out because... You, you don't like seeing your kid in pain you don't like seeing them uncomfortable you just want to do everything you can to make it better and a lot of parents sort of just go I don't care I just want it to be over and I can totally empathize with that I've been yeah. there myself <laughs> but yeah it's uh, you know prevention is the biggest thing especially with ear things mm. um, and putting steps into place to try and reduce the likelihood of it and yeah <laughs> So, like, what are some common factors that would normally be causing a poor immune system to start with? Um, food intolerances are huge. And, I mean, everybody needs to realise that there's a big difference between allergy and intolerance. So allergy is things like, you know, anaphylaxis or lactose allergy, stuff like that. But intolerances can come in a lot of different symptoms. So uh, if you if you have a constant... If you're constantly bombarding your child's system with something that it's intolerant to, the immune system is going to suffer. So um, dairy and gluten are pretty big ones. Um, also poor sleep for kids as well. Like kids who suffer, unfortunately depression is quite common in kids, which is so sad. <laughs> But they actually suffer with it differently to adults. So they can, you know, their sleep can be affected. Um, you know, anxiety, kids have anxiety as well. Uh, so it's it's sort of important to take that into account as well. Um, diet is massive. Um, the amount of times, uh, and, it, and it's no insult to the parents because, you know, companies tell you their health, their food is healthy and, and you just sort of trust them because they should tell the truth. But um, you think you, you would think that they want what's best for you. Exactly, you don't want to poison children. <laughs> but um, you know, like, but they want to they want to sell their products. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So yeah, the parents that say, "Oh no, my child has a healthy diet," and then when you sort of see what they've been eating, it's not really quite as healthy as it should be. So diet is massive. Um, gut health as well. Like most of the immune system lies in the gut. So too much sugar, not enough vegetables, not enough water, that sort of thing can contribute to that. Um, germaphobe parents as well, parents who don't like their kids getting dirty or muddy. I'm always out there in, in the rain jumping in puddles with my daughter, making mud puddles, mud pies. <laughs> um, but, yeah, you know, just letting your kids be kids and kids are, they're still developing their immune system. So sort of got a patient in some areas as well and that's the hygiene hypothesis isn't it that like the fear that like over sterilizing everything has led to an increase in allergies yeah yeah <laughs> no I, yeah I, I agree I don't think that there's anything I can really add to that list in terms of what causes the immune issues yeah yeah totally <laughs> yeah um but you're, you're right, though, that stress has become such of a big issue nowadays for kids, whereas, like, I don't, I don't, I mean, have, how long has that been the case for? <laughs> Probably not yeah. that long. I know, but I, all I can remember when I was a kid is having no, nothing to stress about. You didn't have bills, you didn't have, you know, husbands. <laughs> exactly. I guess I guess that stress has become such a major issue overall that obviously it's going to have that flow-on effect for the kids. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, but I think that also the way that the diet has changed has meant that they are more prone to getting stressed too. So yeah, exactly. Bombarding, especially um, you know, with with the increase of use of plastics as well, and that bombarding of the endocrine system is going to have an effect on your kids' hormones and your stre and their stress levels as well. So even something as simple as that can affect yeah. stress levels and it's such an individual thing as well because like you might have like that amount of plastic exposure or chemical exposure in an adult not being problematic mm -hmm. because we can detoxify it but kids detoxification systems is 
quite different. Yeah, and they're still developing as well, so, yeah. <laughs> so um, are there any, and we're talking about diet, and then obviously you want to make sure that they're getting all the nutrients that you need for a healthy immune system, but sometimes you do need to go in there with some supplements and things like mm. that. So what are the main vitamins and minerals and other nutrients that you'd be looking at for a healthy immune system? Um, Omega-3 would be the big, big, big thing. Um, I mean, adults don't get enough omega-3, let alone children. So um, making sure that they're eating a, a balanced diet with, with fish. I mean, depending on the age, of course, you're not going to feed a newborn fish. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, fish, nuts and seeds, oils. Um, that you can also get cod liver supplements too. Cod liver supplements are fantastic because cod liver has a lot of nutrients in it that is good for the immune system. Um, vitamin D, unfortunately, I mean, in Australia, we're very sun safe and in a way that's really, really good. But on the other hand, we're very vitamin D deficient and we really need to let our kids have just a little bit of sun exposure. I mean, I always tell my daughter's preschool to just hold off putting sun cream on her just for about 10 minutes yep. so that she can get a bit of vitamin D. And that's off. often all they need. Yeah, just, just until the skin goes a bit pink. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so 10 minutes a day, um, preferably between the hours of 11 and 1 because that's when you get the beta rays from the sun. So that's when you're converting the vitamin D in your skin. Um, but you can also get a little bit of vitamin D from butter and sunflower seeds, eggs, um, fish again. Uh, vitamins A and E are really important as well, as you would know. <laughs> Um, but yeah, if, and zinc as well, zinc is huge, especially for kids who have fussy appetites as well. It's usually a key indicator that they're low in zinc. Mm. Um, which is really common. Yeah, it's, it's more common than a lot of parents realize. And I know that even when my daughter gets really sick, she probably gets the flu once a year and she loses her appetite for the duration of the flu, but it's hard to get that appetite stimulated again after they're sick. So zinc is usually a pretty good, you know, indicator that they need so uh, if their appetite's like that. Then it, it would make sense if they're using all the zinc for dealing with the infection. Then exactly, yeah, yeah. their stores. Yeah, exactly. So it's a good idea to really look at their zinc levels after they've been sick as well. So um, selenium and iron are other ones as well. Um, yep. I definitely I love probiotics for the immune system. Um, I mean, when you when you introduce food sources of probiotics like fermented vegetables and stuff, you don't really know what strains you're getting. So um, even though that's they're great sources, um, particular strains like Acidophilus, uh, Lactobacillus Acidophilus, NCFM, um, Bifidobacterium lactis as well, HN. 0019. Yeah. <laughs> and the Rhamnosis as well, HN001. So, um, oh, maybe that's what I'm thinking. Just yeah. to get to <laughs> I, I love that you're talking strain specifics. That's something I get pretty passionate about. Yeah, definitely. They're not a one size fits all, unfortunately. And you really need to make sure that when you're checking your probiotics, you need to make sure those strain letters and numbers are on the probiotic because yep. you really wouldn't know what you're getting otherwise. Yeah, exactly. And, yeah. and like I'm a big fan of fermented foods, but mm. um, it's great just for being there generally and building up yeah. your, your gut function. Whereas if you're actually trying to achieve a specific effect, such as building up the immune system, then you use strains that have been shown to be beneficial exactly. for the immune system. Yeah, it's sort of like herbs. Like you use all these different herbs in your cooking and everything for general health and well-being. But if you've got a specific element, then there's specific herbs that are good for that particular thing. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like these um, supplements that you see that have got a bajillion and one herbs in there with microscopic doses. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, how's that going to do with it? With small doses, you're going to be taking a pancake rather than a tablet, yeah. Anyway, let's not get started on that. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, iron is a really common one as well that kids are a bit more deficient in similar to zinc because of the fussy eating to begin with and they need to have a really good healthy like you need to have a good healthy um, stomach acid production in order to digest that and if you're just eating um, white bread and Vegemite all day which I mean 
parent okay but um like you might benefit from a little bit of extra food occasionally to, food. <laughs> to get these food. In. and um and so that's the other thing is, is you need protein as well. Um, so insufficient protein intake can, can certainly have an impact. Yeah. But um, going back to the cod liver oil, I love the fermented cod liver oil as a good source of the omega-3s. And it's got the naturally occurring vitamin D and vitamin A in there. Yeah, well. yeah. And you do need your vitamin D to get the most out of your vitamin A and vice versa. Yeah. They used to think that it competed, whereas now we know that they actually work together. And yeah, science. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, well, it's how it comes in nature. It's like, yeah. that's the way it works best. And and it is it is definitely true though that like if you get naturally occurring vitamins and minerals from food you will be able to use a lot more of it rather yeah. than taking um, supplements and um, sometimes you get these multivitamins or, or things for kids that are the chewable ones and stuff like that <laughs> and um, <laughs> they're not really going to be that well absorbed because of maybe the type or it could even be um, the ratios as well because if you if you don't have the correct ratio then you, mm. you're just gonna throw it out yeah and I've noticed those supplements are really low in any nutrients anyway they just make them look good by listing all these nutrients and there's hardly any any of them you'd need to take the whole jar to get a medicinal dose anyway yeah <laughs> definitely um, okay so another issue that like a lot of parents face is what to do about fever mm. so as naturopaths we know that fever to a certain extent is beneficial mm. but um, there is there are always points in where like it can get to a, a temperature that you, you don't want it to get to and yeah. then you have risks of febrile convulsions and things like that so mm. I think that it's it's really good for parents to be more educated about fever it's not just like there's a fever quick wipe it out with some paracetamol yes um, there is research that does show that um, overuse of paracetamol in management of fever will actually lead to um, increased adverse effects of the cold afterwards yeah yeah definitely so yeah can you go into that a bit more yeah fever I mean again I've been there myself Uh, my daughter Uh, got sick a little bit when she was a baby and it's just terrifying when you're when your baby has this fever and you know you can tell they're so distressed it just I know as a mother it just freaks you out and and I completely understand and if it's a child under 12 months I by all means take them to a doctor you know it's better to be safe than sorry um but yeah temperatures about 39 to 40 and under are pretty beneficial because it's the body's way of killing off the pathogen uh you know pathogens it's like when you when you boil to sterilize it's the same way the body is is raising your body temperature to try and kill off that pathogen so if you're you know if your child's got a fever of say 38 which i guess wouldn't be classified as a fever but if you've got if your child's got a temperature of 38 and you're bringing that temperature down, you could actually prolong the cold because you're you're ridding the body of its own defense mechanism. But around 40 and over, that's when I would be definitely taking some steps, like taking the child to a doctor just to be safe, or you know, if, if, if the parent's freaking, freaking out, then the best thing is to reassure yourself. Um, but remove any socks or any headwear because you lose your heat through your head and your feet. So removing um, any heavy clothing, make sure they're wearing light clothing so that their body can breathe. Um, cool baths, fans, compresses, um, you know, make sure that they're sipping water or really watered down juice um, or tea. Uh, yarrow tea is really good for fevers. It's one of my favourites. Um, but yeah, if, you, if your child is vomiting or has diarrhea, if they're talking nonsense, if the fever isn't going down after about 48 hours, then definitely take them to a doctor. Um, I'm one of those parents that are sort of an over, I freak out a bit too easily, so I can completely understand parents that want to take their, doc- their child to a doctor every second week. <laughs> Um, I would never recommend Nurofen. 
that's one thing that I just I would never give to a child. It's just toxic to the kidneys, and I myself have kidney issues because of Nurofen. So I'm a big advocate for no Nurofen. <laughs> um, you know, Panadol on occasion. You know, if it's if it's really causing distress for the child, I'm all for Panadol every now and then. But it's it's when you give Panadol when you know they flinch. You know, it's it's you can overdo it with Panadol. Um, natural remedies. Uh, you know, try and help the body fight the infection with manuka honey, um, onion syrup. I've got a, an onion syrup. I love it. You just chop up onion, drizzle over manuka honey, and then after a few hours, it'll produce a syrup for you and just take it as like a cough syrup. Mm. Um, probiotics, uh, like I said, yarrow tea. But, oh, yep, tea, yeah, like, which mm. is the elderflower and peppermint. Mm, yeah, and it tastes good too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so that's basically my yeah. recommendations. Yeah, I think that's that's good. And, I mean, I understand that you don't want your child to be in discomfort as well. And I think that even if it's not the fear of the fever, it's the fear of the discomfort. So mm. um, just giving them lots of cuddles and some warming soups can be helpful as well, like, like good old chicken soup. <laughs> yeah, that's it. But uh, usually what I would say in terms of, like, when you actually need to intervene, it's you need to be aware of what's actually happening with the temperature itself so like if when they're shivering and things like that um, then you, the temperature is actually in the process of rising to a set point determined by the, the hypothalamus and so at that um, stage it's okay for the temperature to be between 37.8 and 38.9 uh, but if it goes higher say around 40 or so and, you, and they're feeling hot then you know that the temperature will fall so don't stress yeah. Yeah. Uh, but if it's the temperature is that high and they're feeling cold or shivery then the temperature is continuing to going to continue to climb so at that point you want to intervene with the, the tepid bathing and the EFT and undressing them and things like that um, mm. and yeah and then if it does continue at that point then you would go in with I would usually say a paracetamol would probably be mm. your best intervention because it'll work quick the quickest but you you've got to be monitoring it and not just like fever bang done <laughs> yeah exactly yeah you need to sort of educate yourself on what's good and what's bad and I mean you can get those battery operated thermometers from chemists nowadays and they're so easy to use and you can get the ones that you know act pretty quickly so yeah you can monitor your kids um temperature pretty well these days so it's uh, good and i think it's diff it's important to remember that each temperature each area that you test the temperature will be different as well so mm -hmm. what actually constitutes a fever like for oral temperatures it's anything above 37.5 for armpits it's above 37 for your ear it's above 37.9 and for rectal it's above 38 so there's quite a <laughs> bit of difference in there good um, luck getting a kid to allow you to do it while they're asleep for that one <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I guess maybe that's when they're real little. Yeah, <laughs> they've got no choice. <laughs> okay, mom. <laughs> um, cool. So we've got a couple of questions, and um, I've got some submitted, and you've got some as well. So um, I'll just read read them out now. So question one: My child is constantly getting ear infections. She has been on eight courses of antibiotics this year and my doctor is suggesting grommets. Why is she getting them so frequently and what can I do to help her? Okay. Has, did we it say how old the kid was again? Sorry? No, it didn't. No, okay. That's so, right. I mean, we kind of covered a, a bit of that anyway, but we yeah. more about ear infections here. Yeah, definitely. Well, you're, you're totally right with the ear still sort of forming anyway, so it depends on what age the child is. But... Um, Basically, I would look at prevention rather than treatment. Um, so improving the, the child's immunity through diet, which with the nutrients I, I mentioned before, so iron, selenium, uh, vitamin A, E, vitamin D, uh, omega-3, making sure the kid has heaps of sunlight, that sort of thing, um, fresh water. Um, but also monitor the sugar intake as well. And a lot, that's another thing. A lot of parents don't realize just how much sugar their kids are having. And um, it's okay to treat your child, but not three or four times a day. Um, 
soft drinks are a huge no-no for kids. I just I can't stand soft drinks for kids. I cringe every time I see a kid holding a soft drink. Um, look at uh, hidden sugars as well. So like muesli bars. Yeah, fruit straps, anything. If you look on the uh, nutritional panel of a packaged food and it's got any more than, say, four or five grams of sugar per 100 grams, put it back on the shelf because it's just that's getting a bit too much. Yeah. Um, I think um, the yogurt's a really good source of hidden sugar as well. Yeah, definitely. No, you're absolutely right. Yeah, Um, yeah, the flavored ones. So I usually, um, for my daughter, I give her some natural yogurt, and I sort of grate some apple and put some cinnamon and stuff in it. You can sort of increase the flavor of things like that naturally. And uh, I mean, if your kid's used to getting a lot of sugar, their taste buds are going to be quite numb. So it takes a while for their taste to come back after you lower the sugar in their diet. Um, but yeah, increase the vegetables in kids' diet. A lot of kids don't eat a lot of vegetables, um, and a lot of the time, it's parents need to persist, like persevere with their kids, and um, you know, make it fun. So, for instance, greens. I used to tell Scarlett that you know that's why Hulk is green because he ate all these green vegetables, and she just loves Hulk, so she loves her greens now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you make it specific for the kids. Yeah, yeah. I think I had a patient once that um, she got her kid eating um, vegetables because she said she saw Ben 10's mother at the supermarket and she was buying all these vegetables for Ben and everything. Some kids like Ben 10, so I don't know. It's just, yeah. I don't even know who that is. (laughs) (laughs) It's, um, yeah, it's a cartoon character, so (laughs) I feel like a nerd now. Um, Probiotics. I don't have kids yet, so. Yeah, true. (laughs) Um, probiotics definitely um, especially because the child has what was it eight courses of antibiotics yeah she's been on eight courses this year this year it's July now okay yeah definitely probiotics would be a huge thing for her especially um Again, with the strains, so lactobacillus acidophilus with the one that I mentioned before, NCFM, um, bifidobacterium lactis BI07, Um, (laughs) and rhamnosus LGG as well. I think I mentioned that before. They're specifically good for antibiotic, you know, to try and help restore the gut flora. Um, But, yeah, gosh, eight eight in a year that's that's huge um i'd be looking at zinc as well because that would probably be doing not very great things for the kids gut so zinc is a really good gut healer i'd be putting zinc yeah looking at zinc for sure (laughs) i I, I agree with all those nutrients and and yeah the cod liver oil and things like that um she might also benefit from um some prebiotic supplementation like FOSS in particular has got some good research on improving immune system in kids and reducing frequency of infections like Mm. preschool environment that was what the study was done but it's also relevant to ear infections as well and I think that um, looking at if there's any sort of musculoskeletal like like imbalances as well so yeah yeah, so seeing something like a cranial osteopath or or someone who can work on that area and like they're not going to do any major manipulations it's a lot more gentle than that but that that can be helpful and looking for um maybe any food intolerances as we were talking about before so i mean my first thing that i often think about when there's a lot of mucus and and gunk is dairy yeah (laughs) But it, it can be anything. It can be wheat. It can be eggs. Mm-hmm. So the best way to figure it out is to, to cut out what you suspect mm-hmm. for a month or so and then re-challenge it. And mm-hmm. I know that's not fun. No. <laughs> but un- unfortunately, they're just there isn't a super amazing test that will tell you everything. Yeah, no. Every test has its flaws. And uh, even though it does suck sort of doing the, the reintroduction, when you think of it, the, the long-term benefits outweigh the, the little short period that you're introducing these foods again. So it's for the best. <laughs> and it does help with the child's compliance as well because then they're able to see for themselves, oh, that made me my tummy hurt and, and that mm. sort of thing as well. In this question, there's no mention of any sort of digestive issue, but a lot of the time 
I, when I see children in clinic with immune stuff, they do have a bit of a tummy issue, such as like a bit of an ongoing stomach pain or, or yeah. constipation or smelly stools or something along those yeah. lines. Yeah, yeah. I, actually, I once had a, um, a patient, he was, I think he was about 12 months old, and um, he just had chronic diarrhea, like, all the time. And his immune system was shot, he had eczema, you know, and just working with the gut cleared pretty much everything up. So the gut's pretty underrated when it comes to a lot of things. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, there's a quote in one of the studies that I read that I really like and it's where the, the gut will make more immune decisions in a day than your entire the rest of your immune system will make in a lifetime yeah so, it's amazing yeah <laughs> yeah it's amazing so apart from that herbal medicine um, for ear infections so I guess it depends on how old the kid is in terms of how much they'll take but there are herbs that are really good for, for clearance and um, of, of mucus around that area and building up the immune system such as um, like elderflower and eyebright specifically so all of these sorts of things you would look at seeing a herbalist or a naturopath for because they can give you the best quality ones yeah. um, rather than buying stuff online because you just don't know what you're getting unfortunately yeah yeah or from Woolworths <laughs> <laughs> just don't <laughs> yeah um, anything else you can think of for, for ear infections? Um, you're absolutely right with those herbs. Um, I've also heard, uh, I haven't tried it myself, but I've heard a lot of uh, great things about marlin as a, an oil infusion. Oh, and, yeah. Um, and sometimes what as and well. And oil together. Yeah. yeah you can get yeah. the blends of it. And sometimes you can even make your own garlic oil. Um, I don't recommend putting in a whole garlic clove in the ear. No. But the other thing that you can do is you could, um, this is a very old sort of naturopathic remedy, but you can cut an onion in half and put it on the ear, wrap it around the head, and then go to sleep like with that side up. And yeah. it it does have a bit of a, a healing action. Yeah, yeah, there's not much research on that though, so <laughs> that it actually works. Um, the other thing I often recommend is onion socks. Um, so this is where you put on a thin layer of a thin sock and then you put on a slice of onion and then you put on another sock and then you go to sleep. Oh, okay. So because we absorb so much through our feet, um, then you can actually absorb, I would imagine, some of the volatile oils from the onion. and That makes sense. Yeah, although you'll stink the next day. but Yeah, but no one's going to smell your feet anyway, so that's okay. <laughs> Yeah, but it'll like come out of your breath. Yeah, wow, okay. That's awesome. Um, similar, uh, another th thing that I do that's similar as well is get people to do foot baths with mustard seeds. Not for yeah. ear infections, but for respiratory infections. Yeah, okay. Yeah. That's another one I haven't heard. Yeah. I'm learning so much. <laughs> Hopefully yeah, everyone else is too. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. All right, well, let's move on to the next question. Um, okay, my four-year-old child has a lot of brown discoloration on her teeth and she has had three fillings. Is there anything I should avoid feeding her to help her teeth? Well, I think sugar is the obviously obvious one. Um, again, with the hidden sugars. And uh, we mentioned earlier those vita gummies and chewable nonsense that you can get <laughs> from, you know, for vitamins and whatnot for kids. I Anything chewable, I just... I'm not a big fan, um, especially with a vitamin C, chewable vitamin C. That's just, that's really bad for kids' teeth. I think there was actually a study around it as well about vit chewable vitamin C and, and children's teeth as well. So um, just be wary if you're giving your kid a chewable uh, multivitamin or whatever, just make sure you check what's actually in it. A lot of them are filled with sugar because, to, you know, to entice the kid to take whatever it is. Um, again, look at diet, um, increase your veggies, calcium as well, I suppose, wouldn't be, wouldn't harm looking at calcium. So, um, you know, if you're not, if you're avoiding dairy, uh, dried figs, almonds, uh, almond milk is really a good alternative to dairy. Um, eggs. Yeah, um, sort, yeah. Yeah, and um, green leafy br uh, veggies, especially broccoli, is really high in calcium. And, um... Not many kids eat sardines, but if you can get sardines down your child's throat, then that's I like, like the best on source of calcium. Yeah, 
depending on the age. I mean, the, the bones are edible, but you still want to just be careful with with ch- little ch- children. Oh, but, yeah. um, well, four years old would be okay with that. Yeah, know. yeah, definitely. Oh, yeah, it was four years old. But, um, yeah, um, stay away from overbrushing. I actually had a patient that had, had to get, I mean, she was older, but um, she actually had to have her whole mouth replaced, whole teeth replaced, because she just brushed way too often. So when you're overbrushing, you know, you, you strip the enamel from your teeth. So uh, making sure you're only brushing sort of morning and night and not going yeah. over. Um, and that could also be um, in terms of timing of brushing as well. Like if she's having a soft drink or something that's a little bit more acidic and then brushing her teeth, then it will make it more um, sensitive to discoloration. Or yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely. That's a good one, good point. Um, but yeah, just uh, looking at foods, especially packaged foods like those fruit straps and all those things that are just so high in sugar. Sugar is just the worst. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. I know. I mean, I, I do remember having a couple of fillings when I was little, but um, I and they were just the milky ones. But I one of the things that I was thinking of just. Um, moving on is that your gut bacteria is probably the first thing I would be looking at with that and then the other nutrients that they that you often want to consider is your is your vitamin a and vitamin d so that's where the fermented cod liver oil would be quite important yeah Um, definitely there is um reversing tooth decay that that book that often talks about that sort of philosophy from the western Advice foundation that's where they talk about um actually helping with the teeth a lot more by having that ancestral style diet and like I'm not a proponent of any one particular diet label or anything like that but it comes down to eating nutrient dense foods don't eat yeah. junk and the fermented foods could be really beneficial for that and I again would be thinking your prebiotics and yeah. also making sure that uh, actually she, there's the fluoride issue is a contentious one I know but some children are sensitive to fluoride and that will actually cause more discoloration often yeah. it causes the little milky spots or almost translucent spots are really common when there's a fluoride issue and I think it just comes down to the type of fluoride so when we use like celloids um, do you use much celloids? No not in my clinic yeah. no I've, I know a lot of practitioners that get a lot of benefit from it though yeah so like maybe I, I would probably be looking at using celloids with this one but something like calcium fluoride as a celloid may can be beneficial um, but for sodium fluoride in your water that's not so great yeah yeah it's the type and I, I actually saw a video this morning how funny is that on um, on fluoride and and you just it's it's a bit scary. Um, they've got. Uh, they were saying that there's countries like Germany and they listed all of these countries that don't put fluoride into their water, and their teeth health is the same, if not better, than ours and or all the fluoride fluoridized countries. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, and the the type of fluoride that they're putting into our water, it's, it's a bit scary. <laughs> yeah, no, I've seen that too, and the. The dental health in Europe is a bit better than here, and I yeah. think um, it is coming closer. To, like there is a bit more push for Australia to get rid of the fluoridated water, mm. but I don't know how long that'll take. And it's, yeah. it's just such a um, issue with it as well. And even like if you get a water filter, they ha- they often have to add the fluoride back in. Yeah, yeah, and it's I think the the filters that actually do filter out the fluoride is they're very expensive it's really hard to get them and uh, another thing that worries me with fluoride is that uh, there's a lot of studies that show that fluoride can actually compete with iodine because they're both halides yeah and and I mean we're already iodine deficient so yeah you kind of don't want to bombard you know increase that in people so and and I think this is very individual as well but some people are really sensitive to that and it can cause a lot of other immune issues but um, 
you can support that in the meantime until we can get rid of the fluoride by increasing your iodine foods. And yeah. so you can get seaweed snacks and things like that that, are, that kids will often like. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe just don't tell them that it's seaweed, say no. it's chips. <laughs> um, but yeah. having the seafood will actually give you the um, – broad range of the nutrients that you need in that area as well and yeah exactly your immune system. and they do say if you've got adequate iodine then fluoride is just completely flushed out of the body well the yeah. bad you know the amount you don't need anyway <laughs> yeah um so i guess for this little one i'd be thinking the fermented cod liver oil probiotics and prebiotics all the diet stuff that we were just talking about as well maybe looking at using a softer toothbrush and in terms of the fluoride so maybe go for a fluoride free toothpaste and when you and try and have filtered water and so just the amount of water that you're getting when you're rinsing your mouth is mm. actually enough to yeah um, do what the studies of the sodium fluoride has said that it does yeah. uh, so you don't actually need to be drinking that water so I guess apart from that then it, it could also be it's something that sort of developed when she was in utero um, mm-hmm. because like maybe there wasn't the correct nutrients setting up happening then and as long as you work on really um, pumping in the nutrients that you need for healthy teeth function now like your, your calcium and your all those other stuff that we just talked about um, then when her teeth do come through in a couple of years then uh, it, it should be okay they'll be as healthy as possible yeah yeah and so, I mean, yeah, dentists will say that you can't um, repair teeth, but the Western A. Price Foundation and the Cure Tooth Decay books, like they, they say that you can. Okay. Um, but, there's, yeah, there's not enough research, but I think it's certainly worth a try. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what's the harm? <laughs> yeah. Um, um, yeah, you just have to take yucky cod liver oil. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So question three. So my son started preschool this year and he has been and he has been bringing home a cold every few weeks. What can I do to reduce this? Okay. Well, um, I mean, we've covered a fair bit yeah. that they could do already, but um, uh, if we're looking at specifics, so there, he's at preschool. So a lot of preschools do supply food. Um, I know in the past I've actually had to tell pretty much every preschool know I'll supply food because they, I mean, they go by the government standards of health, what is healthy and I don't necessarily agree with a lot of what those standards are. So, um, I mean, for breakfast, breakfast really is the most important meal of the day and you really need to make sure that you're giving your kid enough protein to sort of keep them going all day um, to keep their immune systems in check, uh, making sure that they're getting enough antioxidants and, and vitamins and minerals, um, I mean, throughout the whole day, not just breakfast. But uh, in, ensuring that their breakfast is healthy is probably one of the first ports of call because I know that in Australia, I don't know about the other countries, but in Australia our breakfasts are lacking, like, you know, wheat bix and a lot of what we feed our kids for breakfast, all those cereals, they're just basically just little lumps of sugar. <laughs> yeah. So it's a matter of finding a, a healthy breakfast. So like uh, porridge with raw oats and not the quick oats, um, with nuts and berries and chia seeds to get those antioxidants and omega-3s. Um, a piece of fruit and a couple of boiled eggs, um, Usually with yogurt, um, you can get natural like Valia. I love Valia. Yeah. You can get the natural yogurt, grate some apple, put some cinnamon in. Um, so I one of my daughter's favourites is sautéed sweet potato, and um, she has it on a bed of baby spinach and some eggs on top. I mean, a lot of kids don't have gourmet meals like that, but she's she's a better eater than me. <laughs> that kid, she's a freak. Um, morning tea, a lot of the preschools supply morning teas but in my experience it's uh, I think one one preschool had pikelets as a morning tea or Doritos I mean that's not there's no point (laughs) it's just there's no nutritional value whatsoever in those so I used to send Scarlett with um, 
like a, a cup of berries or some fruit. Um, you can get organic corn thins. Um, they're quite good and you can put tahini or avocado on top with, I don't know, some salmon or vegetables on top of those. Um, making sure they're having protein with every meal and snack. Uh, my daughter loves kangaroo. Gosh, she can't get enough of kangaroo. Um, uh, lunch, again, plenty of vegetables. Make sure they're getting heaps of vegetables, protein, um, basically eating a rainbow every day Love so that. yeah yeah I I mean that's you can get charts as well for yeah, kids I think it is and, just eatarainbow.com yeah that's such a great website and I mean if you make it fun kids kind of like to eat a rainbow every day so yeah, yeah the it's more color for adults too <laughs> yeah <laughs> the more color you have the more you know that your child's getting a variety of nutrients in their diet um, but yeah, basically veggies is the bigger, the biggest thing for I, I've noticed for kids. Yeah, yeah. I think um, like we were talking about before, FOSS as a as a prebiotic, mm. that would probably be something I would keep them on, and it's actually really cost effective as well. So yeah. it would be good to do that long term, and mm. and then it may be also looking at is there anything else that's suppressing their immune system apart from the diet stuff that you just talked about in terms of boosting it but yeah is there food intolerances is there sleep issues is there stress yeah yeah, um, yeah and stress is a big one especially for preschoolers because um you know that's around the age that they're potty training and wetting the bed and stuff like that and and if you training is really stressful it is yeah it is totally and in a lot of um you need to make it sort of not a pleasurable experience but need to make sure that they realize that you know it's okay to have accidents because it's going to happen and, and not sort of get frustrated and and they sort of look to you to see what's okay and if they feel like they've done something wrong that's going to stress them out as well and I know that my daughter went to a preschool and, and they were just you know every time she had an accident they'd make her feel like she was awful so she had a lot of anxiety from that so um yeah just making sure that the the preschool's on board and and everything with potty training and whatnot and making sure that they're not making the child stress out either because stress is huge for immune system yeah um yeah I, th I guess we've really covered everything already for that but maybe what i would suggest for them is that if it is quite bad at the moment look at using some herbs and some nutrients to build up the immune system and then maybe in the meantime keep working on the diet because it can it can take a little while to shift that to a really good place particularly yeah. considering that they're already there at preschool and then you do the FOSS long term mm. and maybe even do the cod liver oil long term as well because it's pretty hard to get those nutrients in and then yeah and, yeah. and then it should should certainly improve and then um then just Yes, get started early. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely be prepared for winter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I love I love probiotics for kids because they come in powder or even the capsules. You can break the capsules open and put it in like a, a bowl of yogurt or on, yeah. you know, just ensuring that you're not putting it on hot food because you'll basically kill everything that's in the probiotic. But, yeah, I mean, it's easy to get probiotics into kids these days too. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, do, do you think we have time for your question? I uh, you yes. Have to run off because okay if we go over time. No, that's all right. Um, my ten-year-old daughter had glandular fever back in March. While she's basically well now, she's still fatigued, especially at the end of the week, and she seems to pick up every sniffle going around. How can I build her immune system up again? Um. This is um, just trying to find the question. I had it up here in a minute. Uh, yeah, so um, it really makes me sad because it's so sad when kids get fatigued and, and stressed. It's just you just want to protect them from everything. But um, basically, any her any naturopath or herbalist can can support a child especially if they've got fatigue and and with glandular fever I mean you want to be careful that the, the chronic fatigue doesn't develop as well because that's something that just you know you don't want your child to develop 
Um, I love andrographis uh, as a herb. Not many people can tolerate it because they do call it the king of the bitters. Um, my daughter chugs that back like a champion. She's amazing. <laughs> she actually asks for it. So she's awesome. Can, yeah, she's the best kid. <laughs> um, again, with the diet, lower sugar intake, take care of their little liver with um, greens as well. Um, uh, bitters as well. Um, I do find that apple cider vinegar is harder to get for my child. For Scarlett, she doesn't quite comply with that, which is understandable. Um, go as preservative-free as possible. Uh, again, with the protein, try to stay away from deli meats because they're not really a great source of protein. Try to sort of, you know, get fr um, free-range chicken breast or, again, kangaroo beef, um, fish, that sort of thing, rather than the deli meats, because they're not really that great. Um, I love them. Yeah, I, I know, it's so easy. <laughs> I remember I was when I was a kid, I used to absolutely love Frankfurt's, of all things. Cocktail wieners, oh. I love <laughs> I miss them. <laughs> no, like parties and stuff, that's okay, but every time we went to the supermarket, I wanted a Frankfurt. Yeah. A cold yeah. Frankfurt at that. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, I used to get them every time I'd go shopping with my mum and they'd give it to me for free because I was yeah, so cute. <laughs> same, I just sit there with a bank <laughs> Yeah, so obviously those wouldn't be that great either. Um, avoiding junk food, again, probiotics. I, can't, I just love probiotics. Uh, the nutrients that I listed before, um, adequate snacking as well. Like... If your child is hungry and not bored, but genuinely hungry, it's okay to give them a, a healthy snack. So, um, preferably with protein, like a you know veggie sticks with some hummus or tahini or something like that. Or um, oh gosh, what does Scarlett eat? Sometimes yogurt or um, you can make like some little bliss balls. And like yeah oh god she loves those they're amazing <laughs> yeah. yeah so you can make pretty and, and homemade muesli bars as well like yeah. you can make pretty healthy snacks from scratch um, that sort of thing. yeah and again looking at emotional issues you know is the child being bullied or is there anything that's causing stress for the kid um trying to get them any way possible trying to de-stress them so even if they take up yoga like kids love I know Scarlett loves doing yoga with me because they find it I've seen like some pictures game. it's so cute yeah <laughs> yeah so it's sort of like a game for them um and they often get way better at it than us she is so good at it I'm so jealous <laughs> at least I'm better at it than than my husband that's that's one thing I've got <laughs> <laughs> Um, <clears throat> sleeping habits as well, making sure that she's going to bed at a decent hour. Um, probably wouldn't be much of an issue, but maybe get her iron levels checked as well. I mean, at 10, she's probably not menstruating yet, and I guess, you know, you wouldn't have been menstruating for long anyway, but girls tend to have low iron more so than boys. Um, again, food allergies, uh, exercise, even though she might not feel like it, you know, increasing the exercise slightly as well would be pretty good. Again, yoga, tai chi, all those sort of things. Yeah. And yeah, and all this up like the the prebiotics as you uh, the probiotics and prebiotics as you said, and then there are specific herbs that you can do as an antiviral. But yeah, you'd, yeah, you'd need to see someone for that. But yeah, um, apart from that, just building up the immune system, all those ways that you said. I I, I don't have anything to add. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, that yeah. sounds great. Oh, good. Yeah, I yeah, think we've covered sure everything. With people with and... Sorry? I, I, I was just saying, I think we've covered everything in the rest of what we've had to say anyway. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, it all comes back down to diet and proper supplementation and gut health. Gut health is the bigger one as well. So it all sort of comes back to that sort of, you know, nutrition and everything. Yeah. Hmm. Some children do benefit from having a like a essential oils in the room and things like that. Um, I actually don't know a huge amount about essential oils, but you can get some good ones from the health food shop. Mm. Yeah, you, you don't have to join a pyramid scheme to get them. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and I mean, a lot of oils are pretty safe. Like lavender oil is great for stress and calming. 
Um, I always have eucalyptus oil on hand for when my daughter has upper respiratory issues because it's so great to clear the sinuses. Um, but yeah, apart from that, I don't really, I don't really use a lot of essential oils either. I probably should increase my use of it. <laughs> my, my repertory of essential oils is probably about ten. Yeah. <laughs> um, what I like to do with them as well is to um, put, like, sprinkle some on the shower floor. Oh, okay. Yeah, when the shower's coming down, the, the steam is sort of lifted up well, in here. But yeah, you can rub it. it on your feet and um, like do a, actually like fix vapor up, for instance. Not that I'm suggesting that specifically, although there's actually not that much wrong with it. Um, but you could put that on your feet as opposed to your chest. Yeah, I've heard that, that way it's less burny and fumy. Yeah, yeah, I've heard that. Yeah. yeah, cool. And actually, one for you, I remember reading ages ago when I was pregnant that um, lavender oil for labouring mothers is really good for pain. It's not quite lowering the pain. It, it increases your threshold for pain. Right. So that That's was a pretty interesting does. study. Yeah, so take some lavender in with you. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> no worries. <laughs> um, so I guess that this sort of flows on to then, um, the next question is, what would you suggest for a natural first aid kit for kids? Okay, yeah, well, eucalyptus would definitely be in there for the reasons I said just a minute ago. Uh, manuka honey, I always have a jar of manuka honey in the cupboard and it's almost like my daughter likes getting sick because she knows that I give her manuka honey. <laughs> um, I always have an aloe vera plant um, around somewhere because um, it's just amazing for cuts, you know, it stops the bleeding like that. So, and burns as well. As soon as you put it on a burn, it stops hurting. So I always have aloe vera. Um, and it's great too, because you can slit open the leaf and it's like a little bandage. It's, it's great. <laughs> um, probiotics are always, sorry. I was just saying nature is amazing. Yeah, oh, I love it. Um, probiotics always in the fridge. Um, cod liver oil, I've got cod liver oil in the fridge as well. Um, Coconut oil is really good for skin issues like rashes, nappy rash. Not that I get, not that my daughter gets nappy rash anymore, but um, she does lick her lips and she gets red raw lips, mm. so it's good for her lips. Um, but also, it's handy being a naturopath because I get all these awesome herbs to use. So I love ginger for vomiting and, and nausea, uh, astragalus for diarrhea. And I love, uh, there's not a lot of research around Irish moss and coughs, but I have Irish moss for my daughter and it just works amazing. So, yeah, those three would be my favourite herbs. It's, to very, have. it's very traditional remedy, mm. Irish moss. Um, yeah, um, and ivy as well. There's, um, yeah. You can get ivy as well. Um, I've been using a lot of ivy leaf lately. Yeah, okay, yeah, cool. Good for skin stuff and for respiratory stuff. Yeah, and hangovers. <laughs> oh. Did I just say that? <laughs> uh, hey, we're human. <laughs> Random for a kid's video, I know. <laughs> I don't know much about that at the moment, but... <laughs> yeah, so I couldn't. <laughs> um, so I, I, I do usually um, give parents, like, some like herbs and things to have at the first sign of infection which usually consists of andrographis or echinacea um, or even ivy leaf in there as well and mm. I definitely think, agree with you like and also garlic is a really good one just to sort of like shovel a bit of that down sink yeah. at the first signs and um, some rescue remedy for stress okay yeah to have um, even some passion flower tea or something or chamomile tea something along those lines yeah and they're great for kids who stress out a lot too yeah and a little bottle of iberogast of oh yeah yeah i've never used it i really should try try it out because um isn't it a bayer is it bayer the brand floridas floridas yeah yeah that's right yeah um so yeah, that's just good for a lot of digestive stuff, and which kids can just randomly get stomach pain. Yeah. 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 Um, that's probably about it. <laughs> <laughs> I think we've covered a lot, actually. Yeah. So we'll we'll wrap. We can wrap up now. And so, 
what is your child what is your favorite child's immune system herb oh definitely echinacea because my daughter just loves the tingle on the tongue when she takes it so even when she's not sick she wants to take it so it's good <laughs> i love it that's fun oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> um mine would be pelagonium oh okay yeah that's and cool. um that's i use that for building up the immune system and for treating acute stuff as well yeah and it tastes like cough syrup like like yeah cough syrup. yeah cool so it's really <laughs> easy to get kids to take <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's hard with, with kids who aren't brought up on herbs. Um, it can be pretty tough. But yeah, I've seen I've seen adults that refuse to take some herbs. But yeah, I've seen kids that just throw it back like it's nothing. So <laughs> um, okay, great. So if anyone wants to get in contact with you, so is your website's the best way to do that? Yeah, yeah, www.tonichealth.com.au, tonic with a K. Um, I'm also on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube soon as well. So, yeah, you can follow me on lots of stuff. Um, yeah, my website's pretty much got everything everything on there. So if you go there, have a browse around. Nice. <laughs> you're, back, you're off to clinic for the rest of the day? Or you're yeah, okay. yeah. Being patients and the life of a naturopath. <laughs> well, I appreciate you fitting me into your day. This is great. Thank you. It's been fun. It has been. <laughs> and yeah, and if anyone wants to get in contact with me, it's naturopathnsw.com.au, and I'm also on all the social media channels which you can get through to my on my website. And if you've enjoyed listening, then please subscribe on iTunes and leave us a review. Hopefully, um, a nice one. And if you yeah didn't like listening, then don't leave a review. <laughs> We don't want to know. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so thanks so much, Kelly. Um, no I'll talk to you later. Okay, bye.